Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to start by discussing the induction ceremony for Gerard Mayo, where he met with the media. Robert Kraft uh, welcomed him as the new head coach officially of the Patriots. Um, and we're going to talk about all of this. Um, and if he seems like what he's saying is uh, a step in the right direction, um, and then we're going to discuss what that means potentially for the draft. So um, I think Gerard Mayo is one of those guys that Patriots fans have loved, not just as a player, but as a coach with this team. And now I think they're going to love him as a head coach. And there was a lot of takeaways that came from the press conference um, and what's going on there. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, Gerard Mayo had a clause written into his contract detailing the plan for him to succeed Belichick. Um, they had a plan uh, clear with the league office allowing them to hire Mayo within days moving on from Belichick. Um, so they talked to Kraft specifically about um, why he went with Mayo instead of going with a search. And here's what he said. Um, in all our companies early on, when we started doing well, people tried to get us to go public and bring in partners and we could make all kinds of money and everything. I made a decision. I always wanted to stay private. I didn't want partners who would weigh in because our family, it's a family group of business. We like to think strategically what's best for the long term, not have to do things that are going to require quick decisions. We're willing to do things that are unorthodox. It works pretty well for us. For the last 50 years um, and uh, yeah they talk about uh, the relationship with Mayo as well uh, quote I believe coaching was always his destiny his credentials garner respect and he relates beautifully to the players he has been on the coaching staff now for five seasons and each year his role has grown on the defense which has now been ranked in the top 10 in the league in four seasons, he has coached them. His decision or dedication, uh, strategic acumen, and ability to inspire players has been evident. So, um, when it comes to uh, sort of the um, choices here uh, with the personnel choices for the future, um, it's a collaborative approach. Quote, this is the first time in a quarter of a century we have had to make major changes and we want to see what we have in-house, look what's out there in the marketplace, and then do what we think is right. So it sounds like uh, Kraft doesn't want to just look in-house. He wants to potentially look outside of the sort of realm of things. Uh, quote, I know people have ideas, but I can just assure you any decision we make at this time will be to try to give the support to Gerard and put the organization in the best position it can to win games. We don't have a fixed formula. We know uh, what's worked for us in the past, and that's what we're going to do here in the future. So um, I guess um, it sounds like they're not just leaving the door open to just internal sources. They are looking potentially for an outside candidate for the GM spot. Um, and uh, when it comes to the offensive coordinator stuff, uh, Mayo had... Uh, some thoughts on that quote everything is still under consideration 
Obviously, the staff that I've been working with isn't the staff that I've chosen, but everything is under evaluation. Um, to me, whether we're talking offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coordinator, all that stuff is under eval. And my number one thing, I want to bring in developers. So um, I think uh, there's a lot uh, that needs to be said. Um, personally, uh, I think Gerard Mayo needs his own staff on offense, his own offensive coordinator. He needs um, a defensive coordinator who um, can really step up. Um, and I feel like for the team, it's the best way. Um, to do it. And so if um, he chooses Bill O'Brien and says, hey, fill out your staff, then great. If he chooses somebody else to fill out the staff, great. Um, but I think Gerard Mayo should have the final say on who is his OC, his defensive coordinator, special teams, etc. And I honestly would love to see some outside choices. I'd love to see some mixing uh offensive and defensive coordinators from other organizations or from other coaching trees. Like, I don't want to see someone who's just a recopy of what we've done in New England. Um, and it's worked so well, but now we got a new guy and we got to try um, some different roles and whatnot. And so um, that's where uh, they're at. Um, and so Kraft also talked about sort of his instincts here with the Belichick situation, with the Gerard Mayo, etc. Uh, quote, I just went with my instinct, and the only time I didn't was uh, Belichick in 96. After I saw what went on, I didn't hire him. Uh, I made another hire. I didn't hire him. My instinct was to do it. But because of his loyalty to a man, we have had such difficulty with, who did a great job, but he took another job when we were going to the Super Bowl. I just couldn't bring someone in because trust is important. But as I watched what happened uh, when he was with his next team, I realized I made a mistake. I should have gone with my instinct in 96, and I hired Bill. That worked out pretty well. Uh, I have the same feeling now, having watched Gerard for 16 years in a lot of different situations. So it sounds like um, it's a situation where, um, you know, in my opinion, uh, this is the right right choice, and this is the right coach, um, and I think he's going to do great things for the Patriots. Um, and also, um, Robert Kraft had said something in the press conference, um, which I'm kind of paraphrasing, where he talks about like meddling in like coaching decisions and general manager decisions. And uh, I saw on Reddit someone posted something about the Patriots now becoming the uh, Jerry Jones Cowboys, where Jerry Jones has to stick his nose into everything, and Kraft's going to stick his nose into everything. And the pre at the press conference, um, Kraft had said that, you know, he's going to leave these decisions to um, the experts, and uh, I think that's the best way to go about it. And, you know, I think this is just the changing of an era. And so Gerard Mayo uh, also sat down with uh, WBZ, um, Boston News, uh, and they were talking about uh, the pick number three overall in the draft, and the response was from Mayo, we're going to draft the best player for a position that's very important. You put the pieces together. So basically, from my understanding, that doesn't specifically mean quarterback. You know, our biggest needs 
in no particular order, a quarterback, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. And so most likely by the time we draft at number three, the best available quarterback, whether that's Trick May or Caleb Williams, will be off the board. Um, I guess the number one option. Uh, but Marvin Harrison Jr. will probably be on the board. Joe Alt will probably be on the board. Uh, Fasando will probably be on the board. So the best wide receiver and the best offensive tackle will 100% um, be uh, on the board for sure. Now, I don't know if he's specifically talking about the best available or the best in general because Jaden Daniels will probably be on the board and he'll be the best available quarterback. Doesn't mean he's worth taking at three. And so, you know, Gerard Mayo is definitely going to be someone who um, it's going to be interesting to see how his coaching style goes. And, you know, I honestly don't know how much of a say he's going to have in the executive decisions on draft night. Is he going to be an actual coach that just does his job, picks the coordinators, you know, does all of the things that a coach does um, without the added Belichick bonus of general manager. Is he going to be there on draft night? Yes. But is he going to be making the picks? Probably not. And so Gerard Mayo can have his own opinion on things. Um, And I mean, I don't know how the Patriots are going to run it if Gerard Mayo is going to take on some of that responsibility or if he's just going to ride it out as the head coach. But... um, in his opinion, it sounds like, uh, you know, he's going to take, uh, he would take what's the best available, and that doesn't seem like it's just a quarterback, you know. If he had gone out there and said, you know, well, our quarterback situation is uh, in need of some uh, upgrading, you know, or if he had said something like, you know, that's the biggest need for us uh, to figure out, and, you know, then you could be like, okay, then it's quarterback is where they're going. Potentially, but the fact that he didn't say that and he was like, "Oh well, we'll see what the best option out there is," and that's um, that's good because when it comes to the draft, some coaches will focus on what's the best availability, like who's the best guy on the board, and then other coaches will be like, "Okay, well, we need a you know strong safety, so the best strong safety on the board is right here," and if they feel like they have a pick. Uh, that really uh, is too high for that, then they trade down and draft their safety, and then they get other assets as well. Or if they think there's a player that's at the board where they're at, they take So some coaches and some general managers who are in charge of making these decisions will make uh, choices based on what they feel like the team needs. So if we go for, in the second round, a wide receiver, um it's because it's the best need position at the time. Uh, whether that's the best player that we could have chosen, who knows. But if we go out there in the second round and draft an edge rusher, then it's definitely not something that's 100% need-based. It's more, this is the best available guy. You know, Sometimes you get up to a draft pick where you see someone sitting there and you're like, this guy was supposed to be gone like 10 picks ago. How is he still on the board? And you take them because you know this guy has a lot of talent, you know. And so if the Patriots get to their pick um, at uh, 34 or 35 and they see that and they look, oh, this guy's on the board. And he was supposed to get drafted the 23rd pick in most mock drafts. 
So why did he slip? Um, you know, you can look into that and, you know, take someone who uh, should have gone a lot earlier. Now, um, you know, I think uh, the Patriots in general, it seems like, are going to try and build the best team around uh, Mayo uh, and the Patriots. Um, and when it comes to a general manager, there are a lot of people who think they're just going to go with, like, internal options. But I also feel like if you're going external, or even if you're going internal, you have to make that known well before sort of things take place because, you know, eventually it's going to become free agency and eventually it's going to become the draft. And if you're bringing in an outside candidate, they're going to want to have a say on what's going on. You know, if you kind of go internally with stuff and then after the draft, you're like, yeah, we're going to go and take this guy um, and he's going to be our new GM. Well, maybe they wouldn't like that because they don't really get to make these decisions um, on some of the biggest moves. And, you know, obviously um, everyone's different. So their ideas of um, what should happen with this team uh, are all different, you know. Like even just looking at mock drafts and just what people's opinions are. Some people say we have to go uh, Jaden Daniels. Some people say we have to go Marvin Harrison Jr. Some people say we trade down and draft an offensive tackle. Some people say we trade up to number one and draft Kayla Williams. You know, I think the amount of just, you know, disparity between what, and that's just Patriots fans want. You know, different general managers have a different view on what the team does. You know, some uh, are probably more high on T. Higgins. Some are more high on Michael Pittman Jr. Some are more high on Calvin Ridley. Some are more high on just sticking with what we have and drafting someone in the draft. And so, you know, I think having a general manager in there before all of this takes place is important because he can kind of build the team his way. And um, a lot of times, at least uh, with franchises that are kind of having a regime uh, overhaul, they start with the general manager, then they have the general manager pick the coach, then the coach picks his staff. But Gerard Mayo was the intended uh, successor to Bill Belichick at some point, and so uh, they were going to just sign him right away. This is what they wanted. And so that's where uh, Mayo sits into this. Uh, but they have to pick GM uh, with Mayo already in place. Now, um, that is uh, exactly what we're dealing with here, um, and uh, I'm not really um, upset with it. So... Uh, you know, I think Gerard Mayo as a head coach is going to be great um, because he is someone who uh, really um, know exactly what he's doing. So to finish off my Patriots um, stuff, I got a mock draft here. Um, and actually, I think there's uh, two of them that I'm going to show you. Um, the first one um, is a little bit more traditional um, in a sense uh, where the Patriots... Uh, at three uh, are going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. So this comes from uh, Burned uh, Buckmaster on patspulpit.com. Both of these are on patspulpit.com. So uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is their first pick. Then they go with Bo Nix, um, and uh, that's their pick at 34. Uh, um, so Bo Nix with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and then they... Uh, leave it at that, uh, just the first two, um, and, uh, looking at it from sort of a Patriots, uh, fan standpoint, I think this is not a bad idea. If you're planning on having someone come in as like a bridge quarterback 
for a year, and then Bo Nix can kind of learn a little bit about the system uh, and kind of build up his uh, resume a little bit with this team. Uh, and, I mean, that could also be Bailey Zappi for a year, and then you build around um, Bo Nix uh, with the draft and other stuff and just bolster your team. Um, and then he takes over after uh, a year or so on the bench. Uh, but uh, I think going with Marvin Harrison Jr. at the forefront is obviously a great way about going things. Um, and I think if they really want to do it, I'm not really hating on it. Now, the second one comes um, from Pat's pulpit, Matt St. Jean. Um, and this one's a little bit more interesting because they trade down in this case. So uh, the Patriots end up trading uh, with the Falcons. So they trade number three to the Falcons for number eight, uh, 42, 79, and a 2025 20, second. Now, I honestly feel like that's slightly low. Uh, if you change that 2025 20, second to a 2025 20, first, I think that'd be better. Because uh, most likely it's uh, Atlanta trading up for a quarterback. And so you have to pay the quarterback tax, which is just paying slightly more in order to get what you want. And. You know, a lot of people could say, oh, they could just wait and get Jaden Daniels later. I think he's going to be gone by eight. So if they want him, trade up to three. Um, and I think that's not the worst move in the world for the Falcons, nor is it the worst move for the Patriots. I mean, I don't really think this is a terrible trade. I just think maybe throw in a first instead of a second next year, and then you're you're good. Now, moving all the way to eight, uh, they draft Joe Alt, who is from Notre Dame. He is a... Uh, left tackle, um, and so I'm not really hating on this move at all. Um, my top two choices, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is number one, but my number two would be Joe Alt, and I think if you can't get Caleb Williams or Drake May, and I'm under the assumption those are one-two in some order, um, then you have to go in a different direction outside of quarterback, and I think Joe Alt uh, is... Um, you know, someone who, uh, you know, who could really step in. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's a unanimous All-American. Um, and uh, that would be a good move. So then what happens is the Patriots make a move. Uh, and this is according to uh, the mock draft here. So the Patriots, in this case, go all the way up to 19 and trade uh, two uh, picks uh, in the draft, they trade uh, 234 and 243. So both their second round picks, they go to 19 and draft J.J. McCarthy. Now, I think this is a good move to get J.J. McCarthy. I don't know if he's going to get up to 19. Uh, I know winning uh, you know, the championship makes uh, things a lot better. But he was a slated third or second round pick. And I do see him going in the first, but I think he's definitely more of a five or six or so picks later than this. Um, I mean, it's not a bad deal uh, on paper if they really feel like this is where they got to go and get him. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he is uh, so talented that, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy would be great for the Patriots. And if you're going you know, either wide receiver or quarterback or uh, offensive tackle in quarterback, that's a pretty good move. So 
J.J. McCarthy would come in. Um, then we have uh, third round pick 68, Jalen Polk, who's a wide receiver from Washington. And then with uh, their next pick, 374, they go with wide receiver Malachi Corley, who is from Western Kentucky. So they're double dipping in the wide receiver department. Um, and I think uh, both of these guys would help the Patriots. I think uh, Jalen Polk uh, and uh, Corley uh, would be guys that I think the Patriots could really use. Um, and so uh, double dipping makes a ton of sense here. Um, now, in terms of, uh, you know, what's next after that, they go with running back Bucky Irving, who is from Oregon. Um, and uh, they kind of look at him as like a James White type guy or a Danny Woodhead type guy. So, um, you know, that's who they go with there. Um, then they go with uh, 535, uh, which is uh, Jabbar uh, Muhammad from Washington uh, as a corner, which I don't really know anything on this guy. I haven't seen him a ton, but uh, I think we do need a corner, so I'm not hating on it. Uh, then they have round six, uh, 181, uh, Ben Sinat, who's a tight end from Kansas State. This is one of the best uh, run blocking tight ends um and so i think uh going for a tight end at this point is a pretty good move and then at 7 228 uh they go offensive lineman ladarius henderson from michigan now i think uh this is uh an interesting move but with michael awanu hopefully coming back and playing right tackle um they need maybe another uh chance at a guard um, and, uh, he also played left tackle and left guard. Um, he transferred from Arizona state to Michigan. So he definitely, um, can go out there and, uh, you know, play where they need him to play. And, uh, that's important. Now, the only thing about this mock draft that I don't really think is as realistic, uh, is the fact that the Patriots trade all the way down to eight, um, and more so Joe Alt being on the board at 8 as well. So if you look at where the draft is, and we're assuming if we trade down all the way to 8, that means at 3, uh, you're going to take Jaden Daniels with the Falcons. So 4 is Marvin Harrison Jr., that's for sure. So now the two question marks, or I should say two or three question marks, the Chargers, um, the Giants, uh, and Tennessee. Um, and so if the Giants um, are at six uh, and the Chargers are at five and Tennessee is at seven, any of them could go for an offensive tackle. But the best case scenario is the Chargers decide to go with uh, Brock Bowers, who's a tight end. Um, and then the Giants go for Malik Neighbors, who's a wide receiver. And then Tennessee uh, does need an offensive tackle, and they go with Olawandu Fasanu uh, from Penn State. So Joe Alt would be on the board. Now, if um, we don't get Joe Alt because he's already taken and Fasandu is on the board, I guess you could go with him instead. Um, but we don't really uh, see the Patriots drafting guys from Penn State when it comes to uh, what... Uh, they normally draft with. So I don't really see that one as a move. But I do think, um, you know, Joe Alt uh, 
and Fasandu. Either one would be great for the Patriots because we need offensive tackle. But I don't know if those guys will be on the board by eight, and that's why I think there's some questions here. And so I think, um, you know, that's one of the issues. And then, you know, I don't know where J.J. McCarthy sits. You know, I think there's three quarterbacks in this draft, to me, that are just so much question marks, I don't even know. Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, and Bo Nix are the biggest question marks in this draft. There is a scenario in which I could see all three of those guys going top 20. There's a scenario in which I see only one of them or none of them. I don't know. And so it's a very question that we will never know until draft night uh, where those guys go. And so J.J. McCarthy could be sitting there at 34 when we draft again. He could be gone by 12 or 13 or 11. Uh, So it's a big sort of question mark on where these guys will end up. I think having him at 19 is a good middle ground, but I don't really know if bouncing all the way up from like the middle of the second to 19, all because of a a game, uh, championship game, makes a a big difference. So that's going to be an interesting one to see where he goes. I mean, you can test your luck um, and see... Uh, how much farther down the board you can go. Um, But who knows uh, what teams are going to be looking. You know, if Tampa Bay doesn't re-sign Baker, maybe they go for a quarterback. So that's uh, something you'll have to think about, you know. Who knows where uh, the Raiders go, where the Broncos go. A little bit higher up the draft, who knows. So um, I think, uh, you know, this is a pretty good mock draft, um, at least uh, from what I'm seeing. Uh, So... Uh, I think uh, Gerard Mayo is getting some good players if that's uh, what's coming out.